All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here, a good buddy of mine, Mr. Brandon Price from Aspirin CrossFit up in the Northern Virginia area. And so for the listeners, this is a little bit unique. So Brandon probably falls in the bucket of most of you guys where he is a coach that I've been working with for a couple of years at this point on coach development. So he, I did his level one and level two. No. Just, just the level one. Yeah, just level one. I did not do your level two. But then um, we'll talk a little bit about Brandon and, and some things that we've worked with him with over the course of the past, uh, what's it been, like 18 months, two years? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think the first time I came down there was like February 2018. It was right before the Open came into it. Okay, cool. Um, but so a lot of this is going to be kind of things that Brandon has learned along the way at, as a developing coach. He is a level two coach working on the level three and uh, thing that's things that we've worked on him with lessons learned, what his experience was. He's going to get to ask me some questions. Uh, so I think you guys will enjoy it because a lot of people have questions like, well, Hey, like what's it, you know, what's the experience like to have a mentor as a coach? And we're just going to get it right from the, from the horse's mouth right now. So, uh, I have no idea if he's going to say anything good or not. We will <laughs> most mostly good stuff. Mostly we will stuff find out. He could be like, you <laughs> bro. Uh, yeah. Cool. But real quick, uh, Brandon, give everybody a little bit of your background. Give them like the standard bumper sticker. How I found CrossFit story. Yeah, sure, no problem. So uh, I used to work in sports management. Lifting was you know been a part of my life for like the last six years or so. And honestly, I just. I just wanted to look good when I looked at myself in the mirror, like after I got out of the shower, right? There was nothing sexy about the programming that I was doing. It was a bunch of bicep curls and bench pressing and all that. Nothing wrong with that. And then uh, it was in December of like 2016. Uh, I had a day off and I was just like looking for something to, uh, to watch on Netflix and stumbled across uh, fittest on earth of 2015. Saw that was like, that looks pretty freaking cool. And uh, you know, got on a Google search was like, let's go find this CrossFit thing, found a gym in the Grand Rapids area. I'm originally from Michigan. And uh, that's, that's where that began. And then, um, you know, at the time, like I said, I was working in sports management and I was going through, I, I didn't like my job at, at all. was really unhappy about that. And uh, I really enjoyed fitness. I liked learning about it. Uh, it was an opportunity to help people, which is really close to my heart. And uh, when I found CrossFit and saw the community like aspect to everything, where when you went in for a class and you got to put your phone down for an entire hour and just interact with people and be with people, I was really drawn to that. And it was like, it was probably like January 2016 where I was like, okay, how do I figure out how to do this like as a career? That's where that started. I ended up moving down to the Virginia area in like March of 2017, just because Michigan is wicked cold. It's like five months of winter, like a bunch of, you know, 25, 25 degrees below zero, like into February and uh, moved to Virginia, called like 12 different CrossFit gyms. And I was just like, Hey, uh, I don't have an L1 currently, but um, I would like to be a part of your gym some way, somehow. And I was like, I'll even start by like cleaning out a storage unit, but I would like to be on staff and one day to be coaching. And there was only one guy who called me back. His name's Lee. You've met him. He's been on the podcast with us. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to do that. And uh, that was, what, two and a half years ago. Never looked back ever since. And then uh, June 2017, took the L1. And that's, that's where I met you. That's where our story began, man. And that was in Reston, correct? That was in Reston, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah it was at Maggie's Gym. So it's funny, that, that, that story, because this falls perfectly in line with a couple different things that have come up on the podcast recently, which is the first one, which is, you know, 
how to interact or how to seek out. We talked about on the compensation episode with like, how should that work with regard to like trying to work in a gym? And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you went the old school, just guerrilla marketing tactic, which is like, I'm just going to (laughs) talk people and show up. And yeah. So talk a little bit more about that because so you called Lee, he called you back and then what happened? Because this is, this is where, this is where people get a little, nobody knows like what were the details were. It's just like, okay, so Lee calls you back and then what was the deal that you guys struck such that you are now the GM (laughs) of CrossFit or Ashburn CrossFit? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I listened to that compensation episode like a couple hours ago. So it's funny you mentioned that. And that's a really good question. So initially when I was going into this, like, you know, doing personal training, CrossFit training, I knew it was going to be a part-time gig, but I wanted to be like, I wanted to be paid. I was providing a service, right. Ultimately. Um, and so I was looking for a gym that was going to do that. Now I was making phone calls to these gyms. Um, while I was still in Michigan, I was like, Hey dude, I'm going to be moving there. Like April one was my target date, but I really, you know, I really didn't know. I hadn't like put in my notice for my other job yet. Uh, but I gave him a call and he's like, yeah, man, like when you move down here, give me a call and we'll just, we'll just set something up and we'll just, we'll just talk and see where like next steps can go. Right. And so I ended up moving down there. It was like middle of April. Uh, gave him another call and he's like that first Monday, I think I got there on a Saturday and he's that first Monday went in, it was like 10 AM and it was just a very, it was a pretty informal talk, but like Lee is, you know, he's one of the most you know significant people I've ever met in my life. But like that 10 minute conversation, I was like, based on what his values were, like, you know, the direction that I could go and get compensated for, I was like, it's going to be impossible not to want to work for this guy. Right. Um, so I had a couple other like opportunities, like to do some personal training at like a gold's gym, um, which, you know, that's, that's fine. If I would need to start there, I would have, um, but real I really quick, be- so stay there for a second, stay there for a second. Cause this is relevant. Did you get into, so let's talk about that. Cause I think this is relevant to the whole conversation in general. Do you remember any of the specifics with regard to gold's gym? And can you talk about what the compensation looked like there? Oh man. Yeah. A, a little bit anyway. So that, that conversation, that was like, that was going to be a lot more full-time and that was, that was basically pure sales is what it was going to end up being. So, I mean, that was going to be something where we got the based. It was all commission based. So you're just selling packages, which I'm, I'm not totally against, but um, you know, my other job that I was currently working was also commission based. So I wanted something that was going to be like, I had some sort of income where I knew I could like pay bills and everything. Right. So the guy shows me the spreadsheet and he was, a, he was a nice dude. And he shows me this, you know, this spick and span, like spreadsheet of like a master trainer who can make like a hundred grand. And I'm, that was after so many hours and, you know, getting like reoccurring revenue and everything, but it was pretty much, you were pretty much going to live like on the floor, just just talking to people, you know, uh, interacting with them a little bit and then maybe asking questions like, you know, would you want to work with me in a free trial class? And then you try to sell them into a 10 class, 20 class, whatever that was going to be packages from there. And then besides that, you were pretty much going to be living on the phone as far as that goes, which in the personal training world is not uncommon. It's not for everybody, but like it was pure commission based as far as that was going to go. And it was going to be a lot more hours than I was, than I was really available to put in at that time. What do you remember what the percentage take on that was like, as far as personal training goes, was it a sliding scale? Man, I, I really can't remember to be honest with you, Jason. Yeah. Most of them, it's not very good. Like most of them, it's like well below 50%, like, like in the 
30-ish percent. Yeah, and you talk about like the typical CrossFit split's going to be, you know, Chris Cooper's like 55-45 or 50-50 if you get really yeah, and I think And I think that model, uh, I think it is rapidly, I think it has a lot of validity. I'm not married to it. I think mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with the person, right? So I think the most, most traditional big box gyms are much lower percentage, but you can make money other ways. So like you're on the phone call and they're paying you like hourly rate for doing administrative work. Um, but the personal training rates are generally not very good. Mm -hmm. I, and I think coop and four ninth, like that falls in the middle. And as far as compensation goes, I think that is an evolving thing depending on where the business is and where the trainer is. Right. So I definitely think there's, there's a good chunk of people that fall in the category that should take home more than four nights, right? Because they're that good and they're bringing in that much benefit to the business. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, and then on the other end where, you know, Sean Pastuch, like he's just like, Hey, you should give them way more than that. And there's a lot of gym owners that get freaked out about that because that's a ton of money. So I definitely think it's like, Hey, figure out which model works best for you. Try to bring in the best people and evolve the model. Just like you evolve your, your training, your coaching and everything else. Uh, but I think the big takeaway is they understand all of the models and where and, and how they can be effective. Uh, but I was just curious what that was for you when you started, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of like salesy phone calls, um, which is not for the faint of heart. Well, and it's also like, you know, it's not like a, it's a cold call. Like, I mean, you're calling people for the most part at a bigger gym who probably don't go to the gym, but yeah, it's just, and it's just not for everybody. I would encourage people to go do that. I think it's a great experience and will help you tremendously in life, but Again, not for everybody. I, I have done it and, and probably doing a whole nother, a whole nother episode on this, but like yeah. the difference between warm and cold sales. It's, it's so different, dude. <laughs> like I don't even, I don't even consider warm sales a skill. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to try you like you, the only thing you have to try to do is not mess it up. I mean, you literally just, at that point, you just ask a question is like, how do I get you to join the gym? Like, yeah. The, the question let, 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 like, him, let him talk first and you should be good to go. Yeah. For warm sales, which is most CrossFit gyms, like the, the only question you're going to have to ask is like, how can we help you? And then what form of payment would you like to use? That's, that's yeah. literally it. Can you, can you sign up today? Go grab yeah. your payment. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. Yeah. Like cold, cold sales is so much different. You have to it's learn brutal. objections. You have to learn to, you have to learn to be rejected and not, and be okay with that. Like it is, it is, it can be like a lonely ass job, man. It can be, it can be brutal, but like, dude, and I, I think it, I think it helps you out in other aspects of life as well. Just cause like being okay, like in conflict all the time, I think is so beneficial. And honestly, like moving on from being told no, like, especially as a business owner, if you're running a business, like, you're going to hear that way more often. You're going to hear yes for stuff, you know? And I, I think that's a, I think it's something people should do, but again, it's not for it, everybody. It is definitely not for everybody. It is not easy to deal with, even for somebody who's super confident, like, cause you're going to get like in the cold call world. I mean, it's <laughs> like, you're crushing it for 20, at 25% close crushing. That's, it. that's incredible. 25% yeah, is incredible. So imagine that you have to make a hundred phone calls and 90 of them are for sure gonna tell you to pound sand like in probably not a nice way like that, yeah. that wears on you after a while and it just makes it makes coming back to doing warm sales like so refreshing you're like oh you want to be here this is fantastic let's sign yeah. you up so but no i agree with you i think everybody should do it because it does provide perspective and you do develop some skill sets there which is like navigating objections and 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 understanding you know like 
the art of sales because there is an art to it. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I, was, 100%, man. I was just curious about that. So you take mm-hmm. your level one, you go to lacrosse fit rest and, and then I don't, how long was it before you reached back out to me? To it was, it was, it was a while. So I reached out to everybody at the L. I mean, you go to the L one and you're just like on fire. You're just like, I mean, it was still one of the best weekends of my life, but you know, I connected with all you guys like right after. And then I wanted to give myself like, it was probably a good six months to coach and just get some reps underneath my belt. Just cause like I was brand, I'm brand new. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I have, you know, a certification through the national Academy of you know, sports medicine and the L one, but you know, as far as like practical, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean shit. Right. So yeah. um, I wanted to give myself a little bit of time. And then I started reaching out to people. It's probably right around the turn of the year or so. Who'd you, who did you call first? Um, so I reached out to you and Mel first and both of you which guys, one was, which one was first. This is important, bro. Oh, this is really important. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, man. It was, it was Melody. That's so fucked up. That's <laughs> fucked up, bro. Do you want to end no, the I'm call just, right no, now? I'm kidding. Yeah, no. So Melody Feldman owns CrossFit MPH and like down yeah, downtown DC. So yeah. she's a great trainer, but, uh, but yeah, that hurts. Uh, that changes. Yeah. Health. Fantastic. Well, Oh man, so awkward now. I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, so it was Melody. It was Melody first, but it was right around the same time where I was just like, okay, it's time to go. Like, I, I just wanted to be around the best trainers that I could possibly be around, and like whatever level that was going to be. Um, you know, for Melody, it was just it was just going and observing, and then with you, we dove way deep into the weeds. And I know we're going to talk about that here first, but right around the turn of the year it was what January 2018. Reached out to you two first, and that's that's where I started with that whole progress. So you have, how many times have you been to our gym? Four, five? At four, least five. At yeah, least a handful of that. At least mm-hmm. four times. So, and, and I tell people this all the time, like show up to the gym and this is now to the point where like, this is what we do for the CDP where we do, you know, the coaching yeah. development program that I'm a part of where I've got uh, a couple of people coming in September for a full three day immersion and we're going to do feedback for three consecutive days and, and development. And, uh, and it's funny because Spencer Hendel, talked about this yesterday. Um, so if you haven't listened to the Spencer Hendel podcast, go look at it. But I, there, it is a large minority of people that choose to do what you did, what Spencer did, which is, you know, pack up and, and just literally go wherever it is that is going to facilitate your, your development, you know? So, Spencer talked about he went to Boston. Denise and Austin turned him down, you know, as far as like getting a job. Uh, I know multiple other coaches that have done the same thing. Um, And I don't know why more people don't try to go down that road because I'm actually not aware of anybody that's gone through that path that didn't eventually get there. It's just, so like, so what is it about, what is it that for you that made it okay to just be like, I'm going to go down there and and coach in this random dude's gym. And yeah. Okay. So, you know, First, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like that I was completely fearless in all this. Like I was, you know, I was like shitting myself through a lot of it because I'm like, all right, here's, here's Jason, who I really didn't have a relationship with, who I was asking for your time from so you can develop, you know, a coach that was brand new. Um, so first off is like, I, I was scared when I had to have that conversation, but I knew like the output of that and like the stuff that I would learn would be so beneficial, not only for myself, but for the people that we actually get to help and we get to coach. And that was more important to me than like not seeking out that opportunity. All right. So why, like, why did I get there? Um, again, I wanted to be around the, the best trainers that I could possibly, possibly be around. Uh, but like the whole process through that is I was just like, I'm going to send a Facebook message 
He's probably not going to remember me. I don't know if that really matters. And um, I'm going to go wherever I got to go to, to be able to develop myself there as a coach. And like I said, like it could have been just observational me just sitting in a corner with a notebook. Cause then I still get to see you like do your thing and you can pick up a great progression or a cue or whatever that's going to be. Um, but like for you, you let me come in there and actually like do a class, which was really, really good. And as far as like coach development for myself, being okay, being uncomfortable in that situation and asking for help from you guys is probably the best decision I've ever made for myself as a trainer and as a coach just was. Now for, for context, right. It's not like Brandon walked in the gym and I was like, take the, take the 6am. No, he was, he was there pretty much all day. I mean, you showed up ass crack. I'm, I'm pretty sure you might've showed up for the 6am. It was 6am on that first day. Cause I drove down Wednesday, stayed overnight and then got in there for the 6am. And then it was like, Six and I watched. You know, I observed like I observed like five classes before I did yeah. anything. So by the end of the day, I don't remember if you asked or I asked you, but I, but at that point we had had enough conversations where I was fairly comfortable based on what I what I had what I knew about you at that point. And I and like it's not like I just threw you in there. I was just I'm I'm literally in the class. Like yeah, I mean you were you were you were my shadow the whole time, man. You weren't going anywhere. Everybody was going to be safe. So yeah. So so talk about that a little bit. Do you if you remember some of the things that you picked up throughout the day, and then walk me through kind of that day if whatever you remember of it. So you're there. Is it overwhelming? It, are you are you just frantically taking notes? I mean, I remember we talked throughout the day, and then at the end of the day you're coaching a class. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, so the very first thing I ever remember doing was the day before where you're like, do you know how to write a lesson plan? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so we, we spent like, we spent, which by the way, CrossFit, CrossFit.com has a really great like um, lesson planning a certification for that, which I would highly recommend people go out and do if you have no idea how to set up a lesson plan. And if you don't write lesson plans, that's probably going to be your next best opportunity to develop yourself as a coach. Um, so that was the very first thing I showed up there Wednesday and we're talking about programming. Um, and you're like, can you write a lesson plan? And I was like, man, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so like we sat there with a whiteboard, it was probably like 20 minutes and we wrote out the timeline and we did everything from general warm up all the way down to the cool down of just a sample. And you use Wednesday's programming. I can't remember what that workout was. And you're like, write a, write a lesson plan when you go home to your hotel tonight and bring it to me at 6am. That was like the first thing. So I probably showed up like, I don't know, maybe on the half hour, maybe 15 minutes to six. And like, that was the first thing that we went through. And like, I spent a lot of time on that lesson plan and we changed, I don't remember the specifics of it. I can't even remember what that programming is. I think I'm trying to think of what that was that day. I can't remember what it was. I feel like I've gone down. Oh, it was back squats. That's what it was. It was five by five. And the reason I remember that is because first time I went to Mill's place, five by five back squat. And then I went to your place and I'm like, surely the programming will be different five by five back squat, um, which is really funny in CrossFit programming. So that was the first thing that we ended up doing. And we still picked apart the lesson plan. And what, do you um, remember what we changed about it? Uh, I remember that it didn't leave quite enough time like for a cool down. I think I left like, man, like three minutes or maybe not any time. Like I went all the way up to the 60. We reduced that down quite a bit. Um, the general warmup we didn't do. And I remember in particular, like the teaching aspects of it when we got into that. I remember we ripped, I mean, that was completely like non-existent. I don't even know if it existed. Right. So we, we, we kind of, we wrote, we wrote that out where it's like, okay, we're going to have, you know, we're going to do a circle and we're going to have air squats, you know, on call. We're going to focus on the feet in the first 10 reps. And then on the second, you know, 10 reps, we're going to focus on the knees going out. Right. 
Um, I remember that was probably the biggest part to it that just, like I said, it didn't, like it didn't exist. I just didn't know how to do that at that point. Right. Um, yeah. So the cool down for that, um, we needed to space out a little bit more time or leave some more time at the end for that to be able to be there. Um, it needed to be more specific as far as like, um, even like taking breaks, right. So like the bathroom, water, whiteboard stuff, limiting like two to three minutes for that. That wasn't incorporated into that. Um, warm up sets before the five by five. I'm not even sure if that was in there, but you're like, do you, do you want them to be warm before they get on the barbell for the back squat? And I'm like, yeah, it's probably, so if, probably we were to, do that. if we were to summarize this lesson plan, it would fall in the not so good bucket, but that's, no. that's pretty standard. Right. So it's not, that's yeah. not like very few people get that even remotely close to being right. And the running joke that I have, you know, with the staff is, when people come on and they start getting their first couple of evaluations, I can probably write the evaluation before they do the class and it will be 90% correct. Cause I know generally what they're not. Yeah, well, if once you see them enough, you know that like most people don't know what they don't know. So they all make yeah. the same mistakes. Um, yeah. And, uh, but that's the good part is like, they're all correctable. Right. So, and that's the value of getting feedback. So you go and you teach the class and then, uh, I think a lot of people don't do this because it's nerve wracking, but like, obviously you're nervous, but how did you, do you remember how you felt after like it went down? Okay. So every, it doesn't, every single time I go down to your place, I was there. So I was there last week just for context and I was working with Cassidy and I was still like really anxious and like, and I, like, I know my, I know my stuff pretty well after, you know, a thousand hours of coaching and, you know, two and a half years of doing this. I'm always nervous when I go down there. The first time, yeah, I was, I was really nervous and I was really nervous before I actually like taught the class prior to that, you know, wasn't, wasn't so bad. And we were going through the lesson plan, you know, I was a little bit nervous as far as that goes, but like everything else was just basically icing on the cake. Like I got to learn so much stuff, um, you know, as far as that goes, but, uh, yeah, when, before, before I knew I'm going to be evaluated, like, yeah, I get nervous, but then like, as soon as I start to talk, like give the brief and like introduce myself and get names from everybody, like everything, everything calms down quite a bit. Uh, the first time there might've been a, a lot more anxiety just cause I was constantly looking up at the clock and like, am I on time with my lesson plan? Am I at the barbell at 22 after the hour? And I don't think I was anywhere close to the times that I was trying to do, but, uh, you know, that was the first time working with a lesson plan, working at a new gym with new people as well. Cool. So then you, when you live, or sorry, when you, uh, when you leave there and you go back, talk to me a little bit about like how you develop your plan moving forward. So you've gotten this one full day at the box, um, probably an overwhelming amount of information and you leave and you go back to the gym and then what does that look like until the next time you show up? Yeah. Um, I try to, I try to do like, like big takeaways with stuff. So if you, I think if you try to focus on, so that's that first day, I had more information in that one day than maybe like, Oh my gosh. Like, so like all the other days maybe combined, there was so much information. It was great information that I learned. But if you try to focus on like 20 different things, chances are you're just going to do them all really poorly. Um, so from there I was, I was really trying to maybe take away like one to three. And I still try to do this with each evaluation that I ended up getting and apply that into like the very next day's class. And so the first thing from that first day was there was going to be a lesson plan to everything I ended up writing. And I knew the points as far as like teaching goes that I was going to do. 
Um, and then besides that, there was a, there was a seeing aspect to it that we went over at the end of the day that I really, um, I really picked up on. Cause I didn't like, I didn't know how to like look at the room. I think that's something a brand new coach, like that, you know, they look around, they like maybe call a rep and they try to like take in the whole room and like, you can't see everybody. Like when everybody's moving, you can't like, you got to focus like one person at a time. But even back then, like I, I didn't know that. Right. Um, so the same thing was, you know, we, yeah, you threw out the whiteboards. We did our little makeshift like circle as far as air squats go. And you're like, okay, when people are not moving, here's where we look at static falls. And then while people are moving, you're looking at one athlete and that's it. And then you give out cues accordingly. So that was probably the first like one to three things that I ended up doing. And the actionables from that was just, there's a lesson plan every single day. And I like still write lesson plans every single day, even though I've been coaching, you know, um, obviously for, for a decent amount of, decent amount of hours in a decently long time. Um, after that was actually making, in, incorporating teaching into that. So instead of spending like, I'm not kidding you, and you probably remember, it was like less than five minutes on the actual teaching aspect of it. You know, it was like, I think pretty typical. It was like, all right, here's an air squat. Do 10 air squats. And, you know, <laughs> looks pretty good. And like, that's about it. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that out probably, that's probably par for the course for most people. They're like, it's the back yeah. squat. And I'm like, well, I guess it is, you know, it is what we, for the most part, would fall in the gross motor skills bucket. However, that doesn't mean that there's nothing to be taught there. You know, it, it, there's yeah. still a lot of things I want to make sure happen. But most people don't know what they don't know, and they don't know how to break that down to start to teach it in some sort of efficient manner. Um, but I, if I was going to critique myself, and feel free to jump in here, I'm thinking back on that. And this is probably two years ago. And just like everything else, giving feedback is a skill. Right. So giving feedback, whether it's, you know, whether it's to, and there's different levels of feedback. So there's feedback to the athlete, there's feedback to a coach, and then you have to go one level above that, which is feedback to a coach who's giving feedback. Right. And there's different levels to all of that. And I, if I was to critique myself, and I think I've gotten better at this is like, it is very, very possible to give people too much information. And I probably, yeah. that's probably what I did. And I've refined that over the years about how I deliver that because you can just crush people. And I have crushed people in the past where just, it's just an overwhelming amount of information because that's what I got. And there's pros and cons to that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that first day was, it was great. There was a lot of information in that first day and it was like a 12 hour work day. And it was just in like in between everything in coaching, like we talked about the business we talked about, I don't know, developing cues and doing all that stuff. We talked about a whole bunch of other crap where we were just kind of like, you know, we were just shooting the shit on the side and that was incorporated into all that too. So. Okay. So fast forward. And then I want to talk about the difference. Uh, you know, so obviously Brandon's, I'm pretty sure it's four times. He's been here four times over two years. So you can call it like roughly once every six months, he hits me up and he's like, Hey, do you want to come down to the gym? And I want you to give me both barrels. And uh, so you come down last week. And let's talk about the feedback you got last week. Cause the feedback we got last week is very different, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a, it's at a different uh, level of minutia of things that we were talking about. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, so yeah, there's, so there's a lot of time in between there, you know, I mean, there was probably close to a thousand hours of coaching in between the first eval and like what I went down and did last week, there was, you know, there was a level two development year over the level two and a couple of evaluations with you guys in between there. Um, so last week, I mean, the big takeaways that we had from that, it was so funny. I told this back to my staff where like more than anything else was be louder. Like 
over and over and over. And, and it, not wrong. I remember Cassidy was like, okay, I'm going to be you for just a second. He goes across the room. And like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even hear him. And he's like, that's what you sound like. And I was like, okay, put the big boy voice on. Um, but it was be louder. Um, it was the second one was addressing, addressing the whole room from a macro perspective did very, very well in like a one-on-one -on -one scenario where I was giving cues to individual athletes, but I would say rarely address the entire room as a whole. We were doing, I don't know, we were doing power cleans that day or hang power cleans. And it was like, if you see the entire room, you know, it has a lack of a shoulder shrug, get into the middle of the room and then, you know, yell out there, all right, guys, give me a big shoulder shrug here in this next one and then watch the room again. Yeah. Um, so just for context to, to, to kind of pull the, the curtain back from what Brandon is talking about is, is this is, this is a very typical process or a very typical uh, development. So everybody goes through different phases of development and coaching. And um, so first thing is just like learn the basics, like lesson plan, understand the, you know, the movements and the faults and understanding cueing and all that stuff. And then you start to get into a little bit of group management and, um, and then what happens is once people start getting comfortable with seeing and correcting, then because it's just the evolution of how it works is they become very, what we would describe as micro. So that micro is I work with this specific athlete, right? And if there's 15, yeah. people, if there's 15 people in the class, then what inevitably ends up happening is I end up working with all 15 of them in a group setting individually, right? So if you can imagine how this unfolds is let's say what well, we were teaching the snatch that day. Well, what was the day? It was power no, clean. we did. It was, it was power cleans that day. Power clean. So what we were observing is like Brandon is, is seeing and correcting very well, but his efficiency is taking a nosedive because he's having to do all of them in what would be considered a one-on-one -on -one environment. Right. So, right. right. The proximity ends up that he, that he's having with an athlete to have an interaction ends up hamstringing him in his effectiveness for the group. So what we started talking about is like, hey, well, you need to be able to have an interaction, but not be in a one-on-one -on -one proximity, right? So I need to be able to have an interaction from a distance that is still one-on-one, -on -one, but not at a one-on-one -on -one proximity, meaning like arm's length away. Because every time I do that, I have to cover distance. Distance is time. We all know that for is over time, uh, just to nerd out. But those are the things we start to iron out. It's like, hey, just make that cue from over here right? Like you can talk to that person. And this is where Cassidy was going with the, you need to be louder, which is like, I can still have those one-on-one -on -one interactions. I just don't have to be standing next to you to do that. Yeah. So now it's like managing the micro group uh, or the micro athlete with the macro group while not losing people's attention in there just to kind of unpack what Brandon's talking about. And like I said, that's a very natural evolution. Like people end up doing that because they're like, I got to make this correction. This needs to happen. So then once we've established that they know that, I'm like, okay, now I need to pull you out and we need to zoom out a little bit because there's 14 other people here. So how do I get one-on-one -on -one interaction minus the one-on-one -on -one proximity? Yeah, that was just, that was just going into like the middle of the room and being like, Hey Jason, you know, when you're, when you're pulling up on your barbell, like give me a shrug. And that's like from across the room. Right. And what ends up happening at that point, you guys made a great point to this is like, you know, Brandon who's standing next to Jason, all of a sudden is shrugging his shoulders. And then like, there could be in that, that that's like a multiplication factor of like however many people are in your room. So you might've just given one cue, but like fixed like 10 different people. Right. Yeah. And so again, there's again, just an evolution of coaching as far as like, okay, I have the skill set to see and correct movement, but now how do I, maximize my efficiency as the number of athletes increases 
And all that means is I have to be able to do things from a distance. I have to be able to work here and there simultaneously via either a visual and a tactile or a visual and a, and a verbal cue. So that was some of the things. And then I think one of the other things we, we worked on, which is common too, because it's not your gym is just like, Hey, be aware of your, your visual line of sight on athletes. Yeah, we did. And you got a unique setup there at the gym. Like that would never, like we talked about this, like it would never happen at my gym just because the way that it's ended up setting up, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. And like my goal in, in the end is to not only coach at my gym. Right. So that's, yeah. that was fantastic. So just again, for context, so Brandon, your y'all's gym is a rectangle, correct? Yeah. yeah you so can, you, you can stand on one side bit. of the room, see everybody. Yeah. So ours is a little bit different. So there's a dog leg in there. Trying to think there's a couple other different gyms like like uh, New England is kind of like that. It's just a small yeah, I've been in there. Yeah. Um, but same type of dog leg. And uh so if you're standing in one particular corner, which in our gym is like you can't see around the corner, which there could be five athletes over there. And that was one of the things we talked about afterwards too, is like, hey, you need to be aware. It's not that you can't go to the corner, but you need to be aware that if you're there, there's certain things you can't see. But what's also just as important is the athletes can't see you. So now they're bored and now they're off like dicking around doing something else or not paying attention. So like them being able to see you is just as important as you being able to see them. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, just a quick question for you there, Fern. I mean, one of the things that we talked about, gosh, it might've even been on day one. Cause I think I got caught like in the middle of the air squat circle. And so like with that, cause you were basically like, Hey, like be in the center of the room so that people can see you at that point. But like your back is turned to like other athletes that are within the gym. So like, how do you, how do you balance that to make sure that you can like see the entire room, but like make sure that you're in enough proximity to be able to like get people to see you. So your, your presence is seen there. Yeah. So the, the, it's impossible to, to not have your back to people at, at, a, at any given point. And I think the only difference is having awareness that your back is to people versus not. Right? So okay. there's a difference between, I'm fully aware that there's athletes behind me and I'm going to move in a manner that allows me to get them in certain intervals versus somebody who just has their back turned for three minutes because they've just forgotten about athletes that are behind them or that they're standing in the corner and they're just fully not aware that they don't have eyes on athletes over here. So I don't think it's this scenario where like you can never turn your back to people. It's just simply being aware that, Hey, I am now cannot see a certain population of athletes in my gym and I need to get out of this position as quickly as possible. So I, I like to refer to it as visual advantage. Like I'm just constantly moving to get visual advantage. And I and I think that's how you solve that is like, it sounds really dumb, but just simply being aware that I am at a visual disadvantage and have to move away from that. Right. It'd be the same thing if you were teaching any sort of like like if you if guys in the military law enforcement, it's like weapons and tactics. It's like, Hey, I need to have a visual advantage, like whether it's high ground or something like that. But like the more I can see the better. So I'm constantly trying to put myself in a, in a, in a position or a scenario where I can see the most. And then if I do have to put myself at a visual advantage, the only thing I just need to be aware of is it needs to be for a minimal amount of time. Right. So like, cause again, if they can't see me or they realize that my back is to them, there's something that happens in an athlete's mind, which is they're not paying attention to me. And now I check out. So it's yeah. just that whole process of simply being aware that, that that is occurring and then moving in order to facilitate or correct that. So that's, that would be my answer. I got you. Okay. How was, 
so you can critique me here. So in that whole process, what, what has been your feelings as far as like the feedback, right? So like, has it been good? Has it been bad? What, and what did you find more or less beneficial? Yeah, overall, again, best thing that I've ever done for myself as far as coaching was seeking out somebody who is much better, much smarter than I was and picking their brain for an entire day. Um, day one, if we could have like came up with like top one to three things of like here, like here's where your focus need to be. And I think day two, like I went back right before the L2 and you gave me an evaluation and you did that that time where you're like, Hey, and it was, it was the teaching thing. Like, again, it wasn't very long and you're like your biggest opportunity, you know, to get advantage here is to like really break out your teaching and you should be able to teach, you know, the deadlift for 20 minutes or whatever it was. Um, but that day one was like, there was so much information in that, man. It was just taking like the top, like one to three things of like, Hey, this is where you like, this is where you have your best opportunity to get better as far as that goes. I think, uh, again, that's that I would, I would agree with that criticism. I think it's valid and correct. And so, and this is what I've done now. And this is, this is what I've been working with Cassidy on because, and again, it's an evolution, right? And, and that is part of the process. One of the first things you do when you start giving feedback is I don't know anybody that it goes, doesn't go through this is you give too much information, right? Like, yeah. So then you have to taper the delivery of that information. So now how I go about, uh, depending on the environment is, you know, is first have the person give you their own feedback, right? Ask them how it went. Most often what I find is that people are pretty accurate with their, with their own feedback. Like they're, they're fairly aware which just allows me, it opens up for, it opens up the door for me to talk about it as well. It just makes it a little bit more comfortable. Uh, and I can say I either agree or I can say I, I disagree. And I'm like, I actually think you did pretty well there. Here's where I think some other things that we could work on. Um, but now what I do is uh, I will, there's two processes happening at the same time. So as I'm gathering information on, on as far as giving feedback, I will collect everything in written form. And then, but that's not what I'm going to give you now, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, so for those of you who are trying to give feedback to your coaches, here's a way to do it. Again, not the way. I will just start writing and I will literally write down every single thing that I observe, where they're standing, what they're saying, how many athletes they interact with, um, like different types of cues they use, you know, were they on time? And I'll just, I'll just write it all down. And it looks like trash on paper. <laughs> Cause there's not, there's, there's, there's gotta be so much going into that. Well, and there's not a real way to organize that real time. Right. So I, where I think the art and the skill of that comes with consolidating it and then delivering it fairly quickly afterwards. But in, in the meantime, it's just, it's everything right. And, but you don't want to give everything. So the way I do it now is far more organized. So I write down everything and then what I'll do is I kind of recap it. And then what I like to do is put it into one of six buckets, right? And those six buckets fall into the six criteria that we would use for evaluating a coach. It's teaching, seeing, and correcting group management, presence, and attitude, and demonstration. And I'll take the one or two, maybe three things that I, that I have a common theme on, and, I'll, and, I'll, and it'll go in one of those two buckets. So, you know, so the person largely has a problem with group management based on all the notes that I've, that I've taken. And I'm like, okay, that's bucket number one. This is the first primary piece of information that they need to walk away with here. And the other one might be teaching. So I look at that and I'm like, hey, okay, 
here's the two things we need to focus on, group management and teaching. Everything else, it's for you to look at later, but here's the takeaway. I want you to work on these things. Here's one to two things that are actionable on these two big ticket items that you can now go home and work on. And that I have found is far better received and it allows people to take action on it much, much faster. And that was simply because I was shitty at giving feedback, you know? So that too is a process, but that's how you can start to pack it up. And I just want to make it super objective. And I'm like, okay, well, we're evaluating them on six things. My feedback should only fall within those six things currently. And uh, that's the way I've found it to be far more valuable these days and much better received. You know, like try to leave opinions out of it. Be like, well, you know, I think you should do it this way. Like that shit doesn't matter. Like that's just your opinion. Like what can this person walk away with right now? And how do I give them the two big ticket items that it will help them improve based on this feedback, what they have the biggest def uh, uh, faults with, with regard to their coaching. So uh, I don't know if that's what you walked away with this time, but that's usually the goal now. Yeah. I mean, ever since, you know, the one with the L2, it was very specific. It was like focus on teaching. Like this is where you got to get better. The first time, like, again, we spent 12 hours together and I had, oh my gosh, I had so many pages of notes that day. And again, it was super beneficial, but a little overwhelming when you talk about how much information we actually, you know, transcended and did. Question for you, Fern, is like, so like out of the six, like coaching criteria for, let's say this is one of the questions that I had and we're just kind of on this topic right now is like going into the L2, where is like the biggest like lack of experience or maybe, maybe stuff that like coaches are the worst at as far as the six coaching criteria go for somebody that's going into the L2? Yeah, the L2 is generally, in my opinion, is falls into the um, teaching and the seeing and correcting. So like I, I put seeing and correcting in one bucket. They're, they're separate skills, but you can't do one without the other for the most part. Um, I think most people could come up with a, a decent correction, but the vast majority of people over teach and the vast majority of people don't see very well. Uh, and those that because both of those just take reps. Like you have to be a terrible teacher before you're an okay teacher and you have to be an okay teacher before you're a good teacher and then vice versa before you get really good. So yeah, most people um, just really, really over teach things instead of just keeping it extremely simple. And then most people just don't have enough reps on their eyeballs to see quickly enough to make that correction right then and there. So those are the two big ticket items. And the level two is that it is on purpose a contrived environment. So there's not a ton of there is minimal group management when you have the small groups, when you teach five people, but most people don't get into the full, the full blown group management like we would do um, in the coach development program um, where like you're going to have to manage a full class. That's a, that's a, that's a lot for most people. Most people don't do it very well. Yeah. So I would, I would say the teaching and then the seeing probably, um, you know, and most, and most people, the teaching is they just literally don't do their homework. You know, they don't know. the. Yeah. I mean, that was my follow up question was like, like what drills, or what would you suggest to somebody who's going to approach that to make sure that they got their teaching and their seeing down? I mean, it's nothing sexy. We've already talked about it on the podcast and I'm pretty sure I sent you home with that homework when you left the first time, mm -hmm. you know, which is like, Hey, if you can't, if you don't know the progressions, like just start there. Like it's not sexy. You know, there's no, there's no like, you know, you know, magic rhino tusk, you know, juice that is going <laughs> to, that's that you're going to do that. Like it's literally yeah. the nerdy stuff of like, write them down, write them down again, write them down faster, you know? Cause like, 
It's just not where you want to be spending mental resources is like trying to figure out what the hell the points of performance for the squad are. I just need to know those. So once you've gotten that out of the way, now you can take action on those items because they're going to pop out to you. So that's, that's like the biggest deficiency. And then, then once you've got that knowledge, now you can start working on the art of coaching, which is the delivery, the delivery and your interaction with athletes and how that works. So, you know, it, it takes a lot of work on the front end, which is not fun or cool, you know, but that's where I tell everybody to start. Like if you don't know the faults in the, in the points performance and the progressions start there, you'll be significantly better served simply by having that information readily available. Cool. So if you're one of the listeners and you have another question for me, what would it be? Or Ackerman or Todd, I'll speak for both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. You sound, you sound a little bit better than those guys for it's worth. Yeah, but that's why you very, you very still, big. You still called Mel before you called me. <laughs> You're not going to let that go, are you? No, never. Very, very big radio voice, oh, man. No. Man. Cool, man. Well, listen, I, I wanted to get on this because I thought this would be super beneficial for a lot of listeners because I think, I think it's important for some, for people to hear from somebody like you who, who, you know, not to say that I'm not on the journey because I am absolutely on the journey with you, um, but people who kind of fall a little bit more in your experience level where they're just like, hey, I'm. I'm in the gym. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to be more proficient and, and understand that like, yeah, it just, it's just, it's a lot of work. Like that's just all it is, you know? And it's like finding feedback. And like, again, if you haven't listened to the, the episode with, um, with Spencer and, and now with Brandon, like seek out help and go there and get help. Don't just sit in your gym and think that it's going to get better. Or you're going to get better. You know, you're generally, the big fish in that small pond. And that's, that's not where you want to be. Yep. Absolutely, man. So this is good. Uh, yeah. To the newer coaches that go out there is like, you know, be, be okay. Being uncomfortable as well. Like you said, you said it really well, go ask for help. Surround yourself with people that, that are smarter than you and who are better than you. Cause it's just going to make you a better coach. And if you have aspirations of like, you know, getting on seminar staff or, you know, doing anything like that or working strength conditioning program like that, like, you're, you're going to need to work those reps with somebody who's just much, much better than you. For sure. All right. Two questions. Yeah. Recent book that you've read. Anyone that you'd recommend? I know you're a reader. Um, yeah, quite, quite a few. So I currently, or I read, um, oh my gosh, what was it called? I'm blanking on it. Uh, how bad do you want it? Matt. Blanking on the, I'm blanking on the last name as far as that goes. Um, okay. I'll get sounds, that. I'll sounds get that like a mind. Too. Sounds like a mindset book. Is that what that is? Very, very much was a mindset book. Okay. Um, which was which was very good. It has to do a lot of like you know behind the the psychobiological stuff of like in your mind as far as like you know cardiovascular endurance and everything like that goes. Uh, very, very good. Um, other stuff that I've listened to as far as like media goes, like best hour of their day if you're looking to develop your coaches stuff, like I would be listening to that almost every single day. And it's not just a plug because we're on here right now. It really is beneficial. I love the air squat and the deadlifts probably more than any other episode where you guys just dived into that. And I've coached those, I've coached those movements hundreds of times and got so much, so much stuff out of just listening to those two again. Cool. Uh, and then last question, this is a, this is a new one. I have yet to ask this one yet, but it's now, it is, <laughs> Bring now, it on, man. It is now my question for every, for every guest that I interview on here is, what have you failed at recently? 
Oh man, we gotta we gotta like talk talk about uh, talk about stuff on the negative here that I failed at. Recently. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna life coach you now because it's not talking about the negative. Okay, here we go. Right, All right. So there's a difference between failing and being a failure, right? So, okay. So what have you failed at? Because then what we want to then this is this is what I'm trying to do is like identify those failures and then unpack them for lessons learned, right? So like because you're gonna fail, so. Um, Cause this is something I get super worried about with my kids. Like I don't want them to be, you know, in today's society, like afraid of failure. So we're going to talk about it a lot when, with my kids be like, Hey, what'd you fail at today? Like, it's cool. If you fail, just don't be a failure. Yeah. Just pick it up and keep going. That's a man. What have I failed at recently? Tough question. That was, that was not something that I expected to be like curveball, bro. You haven't done. Yeah. No hey, kidding. That's what we do here uh, on the best hour of our day, making you uncomfortable, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And typically I'm okay with that. Something that I failed at recently. Gosh, I'm, I'm not even close to perfect as far as that goes. Um, gosh, man. Um, man, I'm going to get, I'll get, I'll get personal. I'll leave it outside of the gym as far as that goes. Uh, yeah, really it, just doesn't have, it doesn't have to be coaching related. Yeah. Um, so man, so I, I try to live and die by my calendar, which is just budgeting my time throughout the day. And every week, um, I put in, I put in time to like talk to my family. My family all lives in Michigan. They're 500 miles away. And, uh, man, I haven't made a single one of those phone calls in. It's been a long time, dude. It's been a long time. So like every time when that actionable comes up and like the reminder comes up on a Tuesday night where it's like, call Kyle, haven't, haven't done that in a while, man. And that's, yeah, that's not good. I can empathize with that. That's something I'm not good at either. So yeah. I get it. That's, uh, but now we can come up with action items to correct that, my friend. Okay. There you go, bro. All right, everybody. <laughs> that's all we got for you today. Uh, big things, takeaways, like seek out, you know, somebody who's going to help you out with coaching. We all do it. I do it. Brandon's doing it. All the coaches that we have on the show, they've all done it. It's the only way you're going to get better. Um, but if you guys have questions about anything we talked about with regard to development, all that stuff, let me know and, uh, and we will get those answered for you. But Brandon, thanks for your time, brother. I know you're busy running a gym, so, uh, I will let you get back to that. Dude, it was cool jamming with you as normal, man. Thanks for having me, Fern. Appreciate it. All right, brother. See ya. All right. See you later. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.